When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And ready to go. Hot by with Hunter Withrow underway on this Tuesday edition. Chad Withrow has arrived in I'm studio back, today. Baby. I'm back. Wore some huge boots. Yes. I would try to lift my leg up. Go I ahead. Just realized that I was going to pull people. my hip flexor if I did. Here, I'll try anyway. Yeah, there you go. There we go. He's got the. Uh, the boots got on. the snow boots in Hutton. I braved the conditions to get in studio with you today. That's how much I missed you yesterday. Not being that as close to you to smell your musk <laughs> to get the show going the right way in studio today, fired up to be here. And uh, there's one team in the NFL after last night. That's not very fired up though. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles who were atrocious. This is different for me than what we saw with Dallas with Dallas. There were expectations going into the postseason. Number two seed, they wrap up the division. They do it, right? They, they win in the regular season. Philadelphia was winning in the regular season. Ten and one. The schedule set up perfectly to start. They got things rolling towards the midway, midway point of the regular season and then finished the, the, the year one and six down the stretch, including the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were underdogs at home to Philadelphia, who the, the locker room has just gone in, in, in disarray at the midway point. It was weird. It's odd. Sirianni, right on the hot seat, just like Mike McCarthy in Dallas. But the difference between the two, Dallas with expectations, and the Eagles after starting 10-1, and one, Chad, they were dead on arrival to the postseason. I didn't think they were going to win this game. No one in, in, from the, the Outkick studio that we had it. Everyone's going with the Bucks, And here we sit the day after the game with the result that everyone expected from the team that made it to the Super Bowl a year ago and a team that had won 10 games in 11 matchups in the regular season. What went on behind the scenes? Why did the front-running Eagles roster turn that direction in that moment where... They fire their defensive coordinator. They go with Matt Patricia. This was after the losing started. But it started in what was a one and six stretch. They had lost two, I believe. And then they turn and fire the defensive coordinator. And oh, by the way, throughout this entire streak to end the season, including this past, this past matchup of the postseason, they were allowing 30 points average. Atrocious. The backbone of their defense. Got old fast. Sieve is how I would describe it. Even Baker Mayfield is throwing darts. Not necessarily uh, receivers catching anything, but throwing darts last night and, and tearing up the Philadelphia secondary. What went wrong? And what made Jalen Hurts also around the same time, just before they made the defensive coordinator swap, at the podium say, you know, we, we need more commitment from this locker room. That trickles down from the top. What was going on with Sirianni and the staff that led him to fire the defensive coordinator and allowed this Eagles defense to just 
I mean, flat out look among the worst in the NFL. And an Eagles offense with the talent to where it appears only Devontae Smith really wants to be there. I don't understand it. And it's exactly why you have Sirianni possibly looking for another gig. And you also have the Cowboys with success and not finding that, that path to success in the postseason, also contemplating a coaching swap. There, there's something off with both of those franchises. But in Dallas's case, I think it's more mental in the postseason aspect of the pressure. And in Philly, I think it's internal. And that's a huge issue for a Philly team that is extremely talented, getting older and getting older fast in a window of opportunity that may have passed them by. Uh, and both, though, feel like it, it's very different, the issues, but both feel like they're sort of at an existential crisis point. Yeah. For the Cowboys, it's getting past the mental baggage. We're, we're going to talk with Coach Dan Mullen later, and we're going to ask him uh, about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys and the mental baggage, psychologically, how that can weigh on you, where you don't get over the hump, you don't make plays in the biggest moments, and you fall apart in the end. That's where the Cowboys are as an organization, not just Mike McCarthy, not just Dak Prescott. It's Jerry Jones. It's Stephen Jones. It's the Cowboys organization. They're chokers. The Eagles went from best story of 2022 to best start of 2023 to most horrific finish of 2023. And somewhere in there, you've got reports of chemistry issues with A.J. Brown and teammates. Jalen Hurts continues to be his sort of stoic, silent self on most things. What's Nick Sirianni in all of this? Has he played a role in it? He is the head coach. There's a lot of questions, and it's tough to exactly pinpoint what it is that had the Eagles go south so quickly this season, and they yep. could not even remotely bring it back together at, at any point. It was really crazy to witness how quickly they fell apart this season with that Eagles team uh, in that roster, and then to lose in this fashion in Tampa to a division that everyone made fun of all year, the NFC South. Oh, is there going to be a team with a losing record come out of the NFC South? The NFC South just absolutely blasted the NFC East. And think about the entire division, not just Cowboys and Eagles. Commander's about to have new leadership. They've got new ownership, new direction. The Giants were supposed to be good this year. They were terrible for a number of different reasons. That's an odd division now moving forward, but especially with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are so disappointing. Su such disappointment with that team. When you think about the roster, where they were set up, they make some midseason moves. You talked about firing defensive coordinator, elevating Matt Patricia, but also trading for Kevin Byard from the Titans. Just a number of things that absolutely did not work out at all has me asking a ton of questions, starting with, is Nick Sirianni the guy? And who would have thought we'd even be asking that question a year ago with the run they went on? See, I, I think it's, it's way too early to turn and go the opposite direction from Sirianni at this point. But I don't know what led to this dysfunction. You know, the, the, and I know Donovan McNabb on the five spot told Armando Salguero, hey, uh, it's not Sirianni that should be on the hot seat, it's Howie Roseman. But watching Howie Roseman on the broadcast last night pack up and leave well before the, the final the final zero hit to me, he knows exactly what this season has been or became. Um, and then I also think last night as I'm watching this, Chad Buffalo who played earlier in the day, Buffalo turned their season around, you know, the fringe 500 team for a while. 
You know, they'd win one, lose one, win two, lose another, and fall back a spot. But we saw Allen and company, and by the way, they also swapped coordinators. Bills did it on offense. They turned it around and saved their season. And for, for all of the trends of the team that goes and loses the Super Bowl doesn't get back more times than not, the, the, the history will tell that that's absolutely true. But what's true about this Eagles team is different than many of those teams, I would suspect, because of how this team crumbled at the, at the, the moment they're supposed to be cranking it up, like they did a year ago. Way different. And I think there's more than just, oh, let's, let's bring everyone back and run it back. The defense, I mean, they trade for Kevin Byer, but they also brought back guys that are just, they're a year too late instead of a year early on some of these. And it, because of that, maybe Roseman is on the hot seat more. It's it's doesn't it, have the magic it, touch this year. It's one thing to you know the team loses the Super Bowl as you mentioned in the next year. It's another thing to look like a team that is the best in the NFL through eleven games and then crater th- the way they did. I, I'm with you. I'm not ready to pin it all on Sirianni, but he's on notice now because just like Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys, to me the easiest thing for the owner to do, especially owners who are incredibly driven like Jeffrey Lurie like Jerry Jones, is to make a change at head coach. Well, and It's not as easy at times to make a change at quarterback when you've invested with salary cap and everything else in a young quarterback, similar to Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts, but it's easy to say, let's get a new coach in here and see if that's the kickstart we need. But it's also not just new coach, but they have, they have several coaches in the pool now to choose from that we would expect Dallas and maybe Pittsburgh, which we'll get to in a moment, would also be looking at. But from Belichick to potentially Tomlin in a trade, uh, we've got Vrabel, uh, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, and then you have the young coaches, including Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, who they're likely to lose. He's going to be interviewing for some gigs. All of that combined, I mean, if you're looking for the, the heir to whatever the Super Bowl run was for Philadelphia last year, you've got a great crop of veteran coaches and young coaches who are available. And that's not necessarily the case every year. And how much do you trust your leadership? Jason Kelsey in tears on the sideline last night. He spoke to the team afterward. Reports coming out he's going to retire. Likely a Hall of Fame career at center for Jason Kelsey is going to be over. So who are you trusting in that locker room to go to if you're, I don't know that you're trusting Howie Roseman, but if you're ownership, if you're the leadership of the organization, when you start to do the exit interviews the season, what opinions are you relying upon to know what exactly the issue was? What's going on? Is it A.J. Brown? Is he a part of the problem, even though he's such a great talent? I, I don't know. Well, it starts with Hurts. I mean, but you, you, you got to go find to. out. You, your $51 million average salary year guy. Right. You go to him first, but my point is, do you trust him? You have they, they absolutely they have a five year two hundred fifty five million deal and and but he, he's by the way, part of their demise too. No, he, no, he's at the podium speaking on the demise. Yeah, that well, that, then, that is way different than what AJ Brown's doing, which is right. scrubbing the so, team with social media. Then let's take it a step further because I'm with you. You got to go to your quarterback first. But if he says AJ Brown's the problem, this guy's the problem. Here's the lack of commitment. Get rid of them. Are are you just doing it? Well, I don't think it's are lack you of trying commitment. To, are you trying to get those guys out because your quarterback says so? It doesn't necessarily have to be individual teammates with lack of commitment. I think that would happen team to team, right? I think it's more of the commitment from the top down to the locker room and how that translates to the field. That, to me, is more of the commitment aspect here because they have the talent. I mean, they can put up points, but they're just not – the way they 
the way they lost games and the way they went into the postseason, again, banged up, but again, Philly is, is the favorite on the road despite all of the, the, the scenarios here against Tampa, and they lose the way they did. Game wasn't close. Not close. Um, that's more than just one or two players lacking commitment. And without A.J. Brown, the only player I was watching that really showed something was Devontae Smith. All the drop passes, too. Like well, the lack their of running focus. game just completely vanished. Yes, yes. They could not run the football at all. So, And that, by the what, way, a year ago, heralded as the best offensive line in football. And then I'm thinking a year later in Tampa, they, they can't get any push. Hey, they can't do anything. Not even a year ago. Football. Two months ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, like, there's something. The quarterback's going to know. I'm going to the guy who I've invested in, who took us to the championship game last year. And I'm saying, hey, you mentioned the commitment aspect. I would have already done that. You mentioned the commitment at the podium. Let's get into that. Let's start and dissect and go layer two deeper. Yeah, what do you it. mean? Absolutely. Who are we talking about? What are we talking about in Pittsburgh where Mike Tomlin walks out of the presser yesterday? Coach, you got a year left on your co- exit stage left after, at that point. After the loss to, to Buffalo and they're headed to the offseason. Is Tomlin headed out the door? Chad, it sounds like it's going to be his call. Let me give you some stats on Mike Tomlin. Okay, this is all Super Bowl era. I'm going modern era of football here. He is 13th all-time in wins in the Super Bowl era. Of coaches that have won at least 150 games, he is fourth in winning percentage. Only Bill Belichick and Andy Reid have more wins among his peers in coaching. Um, He's got a Super Bowl title. Guy hasn't won a playoff game in way too long. No, No doubt about that. He's also never had a losing season in his time in Pittsburgh. He is a Hall of Fame head coach. If he decided he wanted to go elsewhere, and Pittsburgh decided to let him out of that contract or trade him or whatever it may be, he's going to have options of where he's going to go. I think all this uncertainty about Mike Tomlin, it has nothing to do with Mike Tomlin being on any hot seat. It has everything to do, I believe now, with Mike Tomlin wanting more commitment from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got a year left on his contract. So when that question starts to get raised, he walks out pissed off. He's pissed off about the loss to Buffalo in the playoffs and not winning a playoff game again, absolutely. But when he exits stage left at that moment, I'm looking at that and thinking a lot more about he wants some clarity from the Steelers about his contract moving forward, likely wants their commitment, likely wants a raise where he's among the highest paid coaches in the NFL, and he wants more years on that contract. Armando Salguero wrote a great piece at OutKick about this also. I think that's where we are. I don't think this has anything to do, any uncertainty around Mike Tomlin. I don't think anything has to do, any of it has to do with his being on the hot seat or any of that. I think it's Mike Tomlin wanting more commitment from Pittsburgh. And if not Hutton, it may be a decision where, hey, it could be time to just mutually part ways and sit out a year and then go somewhere else. Well, Tomlin, according to Mark, uh, uh, Mike Garofalo, um, has informed the team that he plans to return in 2024. He did that today. Um, that also would be in a lame duck year. He's got a year left on his contract, right. as you mentioned. And, you know, the speculation was, well, if he wants out, he would sit out a year. And the reason for that would be he he's going to be traded. It'd be like a Sean Payton's yeah. spot for him. Um, but with him telling the team he's that he, also he plans by to Don return. E, right. 
I believe that's correct. I think I think so. Let me double check. Um, so again, Tomlin met with the players after the loss yesterday. They get back to Pittsburgh. He says, "I plan to return in 2024." We'll see about the the reports also from Pittsburgh, uh, the Times Gazette, I believe, that said uh, yesterday, uh, prior to the game, that you know the Steelers want to extend his contract. They've they've made that clear. Tomlin was also reported he was going to meet with his family. So he's done that, apparently. And instead of taking a year off, he plans to return to coach that the Steelers for the final year of his current contract. Do they get a contract extended? Do they meet a, a certain point where they end up trading him? Again, there's a lot of, there are a lot of scenarios that you can read into when he says he plans to return and coach in 2024. Well, right? and, I mean, and, the, and it's the also the way that report is phrased. Tomlin can think he's coaching, but if things go awry in a contract negotiation, then it's it's on the Steelers, like you're saying. And I still think look, they got in the playoffs with Mason Rudolph, and they went on a they had to win. I think their last three games to get in the playoffs late with Mason Rudolph. They got to figure out quarterback. Yeah, that, that that's the biggest part of this. What could this Steelers team do with Kirk Cousins as an example? If you upgraded to that level, what are they then? I don't know, but that's where they got to focus first. Well, and you know, it's not running it back with Kenny Pickett. It's not running back with Kenny Pickett. Also, he's on the roster, but he's not. It's not. He's not the. He's not the guaranteed starter. Yeah, and if I'm critical, look, if I'm ownership and I'm going to be critical of uh, of Mike Tomlin with this team and this group, it's first off, it's not. He got to the playoffs with with (laughs) Mason Rudolph. Okay, look around the playoffs. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a quarterback situation a lot worse than that one. they got to figure out quarterback, and he waited too long on Matt Canada. I, I yes. do believe that he took way too long with that decision, and that is a negative against Mike Tomlin. He has to have a plan about who's going to lead that offense and who they're going to lead the offense with at quarterback. That, that's, that's a big solution to be had, and that's not an easy ass to fix in one offseason, but that's what they got to figure out if they're going to be anything moving forward. And not just a team that gets in with the last playoff spot and gets you know loses by two scores in their first playoff game. The consistency is why I, I, I wouldn't want to part ways with Tomlin. I'm not just saying that from his win-loss record either. The consistency of what the Steelers have done with the coaches, from Noel to, yeah. to Cower to, to Tomlin. They've, they've got it right. I think they've got it right with this coach, with Mike Tomlin. Um, if you add him to the list, though, let's, let's say you didn't have to be traded. Um, he would have, or or he was fired. It's one of the two, and he was able to choose his next spot. Where would we rank him with the current coaches available? I mean, Belichick, oh, man. I, I Vrabel. Put, I mean, yeah. I'm putting I'm Harbaugh. Putting, um, and it's it, it, it Harbaugh. It, it is based on the situation. Like if you're if you've got the roster in the with the Chargers, if you've got that, if you have Dallas, Tomlin's right there. He's right there at the top. If I factor in plug and play, if I factor in track record in the NFL as a coach, right, and weigh that against recency bias about what these coaches have been in the last year or two, yep. I'm putting Harbaugh number one because he was so great in his short time in San Francisco. I'm probably putting Mike Tomlin number two because he still managed to get the Steelers into the playoffs with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I'm probably putting Mike Vrabel three, and that's just because the last year and a half have been so bad. 
Bill Belichick is the best coach in NFL history. I'm, he's likely fourth on my list if I'm going with what have I seen lately versus the entire body of work over the course of an NFL career. And I think what we also have to say is Harbaugh, you're right to mention him at the top because I'm thinking offense. I need to know with Tomlin, with Belichick, and with Vrabel. What's your who, plan? Who, yeah, who's your plan? What's the plan on offense? Who are you bringing with you? If it's Arthur Smith that's paired with Vrabel, I love that combo. Yeah. If it's Josh McDaniels with Bill Belichick, I love that combo. I do. Uh, who would Tomlin be paired with? I don't know. Okay, that that's the big key, um, and that's also what needs to happen in Pittsburgh. Was he stays? They've got to get it right, and they don't have a ton of cap space currently. You can make room, um, but you know you're locked up with T.J. Watt for good reason. You need some help on that side of the football still, but Chad, they've they've got to get things fixed offensively. It's yeah. a must, and, and that's got to be the biggest part of the plan for Tomlin now is. You've got to go into the ownership group and say, look, here's here's what I'm doing. Yes. Here's I, I, I see the error of our ways. Here's where we got to get it fixed. Obviously, we got to be better at quarterback, but here's the direction I want to go at offensive coordinator, and here's what I want to do at quarterback. If he does that and it's a good, coherent plan, he's the guy for the Steelers. Not just next year, but with an extension on his contract. If not, and he's got uncertainty there, you know, it may end up being it's it, it's no diss. It may end up being time for them just to mutually part ways and for him to get a fresh start somewhere else. I don't think we're there yet, though. We're not there if uh, if we want to turn the page and say Tony Romo's back to being Tony Romo of uh, two or three seasons ago because he is getting ripped apart for the, uh, the broadcast yesterday with the, the Bills and Steelers and what we saw. You've got th- this game that's... You have Tony Romo who's th- who admitted he hadn't really seen Jalen Warren, didn't know how good Jalen Warren was until this week, uh, which is crazy. And then you had the the incomplete pass that he thought was an interception that's returned, and that was just craziness altogether. You've got Nance having to say, yeah, they're, they're saying it's incomplete. Where has this gone awry? And we, we went down this path about a year ago this week with Romo and Nance, and were they going to be able to stick together? And CBS wanted that cohesion because they've got the Super Bowl this year. They wanted to have that group in Vegas ready to go. And we will have this pair calling Super Bowl 58. And you better believe the critics are going to be after Romo uh, because the the broadcast performance is noticeable to everyone. Uh, and it started with him when he first started with Nance. It was him predicting all these plays before they have it. I'm fascinated by that. His, his memory recall. A photographic memory that he has. Yeah. I want him to get back to that version of what Romo was instead of what Romo is now on CBS. Yeah, Joe Kinsey with a good write-up, uh, a good piece at outkick.com. You can read about this also. Uh, the jumping up and down on the interception that wasn't an interception and Jim Nance pointing out that he was jumping up and down on that play, also a little bit odd. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know why Jim Nance would call him out on that. Because the immediate reaction from those listening is, are you a Bills fan? Are you cheering like hell for the Bills to win this game? You're supposed to be impartial to who wins the game. Why are you jumping up and down on a possible interception that wasn't? That was weird. The Jalen Warren thing, to me, is just inexcusable. It is. For someone that's got that gig, you talked about Greg Olson, who I I think is terrific also. I love Chris Collinsworth. I know he gets a lot of heat for being too pro player or whatever. I, I like his genuine excitement about the game. He's giddy at times. That's what I loved about Romo in the beginning. 
Dude was giddy to be calling an NFL game. You could tell by the sound in his voice, he is like a kid on Christmas morning. It's like a snow day every day when he wakes up and he's not going to school and he gets to call a football game. You could sense the joy from, from Tony Romo. Now I hear him, and that joy has gotten a little bit stale. And I hear the joy as someone that gets joy out of just a lot of other things in life and isn't fully committed to their job of knowing the NFL. Honey sounds to me like a guy who looks at the two teams he's got that week, and he does watch some film on them, but he's not paying attention to the rest of the league. And he's not really diving into what teams are doing across the league week to week. I think he's a guy who likes to play golf. I think he's a guy who likes to do a lot of other things. He's always been that guy. That's why I don't understand how we got from year one, Romo, to now. Because I don't think his lifestyle has changed a lot. Right? He's always enjoyed playing golf. He's very good at it. I don't know how we got here. Well, I think I think we got here because Nance needs to be the star of the broadcast. I mean, it, it, Romo was that guy. He, he still, I mean, that I like them together. I still like Tony Romo calling games. I do. I, I don't mind whenever he's telling me, hey, they're doing this because they're setting up this offensively. ESPN's about to do this with the NFL. They're they're trying to have this where you, you watch the AI predict what's going to happen while it's on screen and the percentage chance of certain players getting the football in their hands while you're watching a game. Uh, that's what Romo's doing, in essence, for CBS. I don't, I don't mind it personally. I understand why, if you're watching a game, you want, you want to watch it play out instead of have the quarterback tell you what's about to happen on an audible. But I think Nance... Uh, by the way, I like that, too. I know they wanted him to stop doing that, to yeah, stop I mean, tipping plays and all that. I didn't mind I that. I'd like to it. get back to that guy. Yeah, but I think they've toned it down with yeah. him on purpose because he's talking so much early in that, that tenure that Nance wasn't, right? And, and I think that plays a factor in it. I, it. Also, some of the subtle comments that were made last year on the broadcasts, right? That also had me thinking, okay, they're not really getting along. Then the contract... And Nance wanting to get paid certain things and reduce roles. He's not doing the tournament, for instance. Like there, there are there are things that make you raise an eyebrow. There are also aspects of Romo that are just great. The best at it is is Troy Aikman, the best. The NFL will also tell you that. If you want to know why ESPN, Monday Night Football, and their broadcasts were granted Jets and Bills to start the year, everyone, every network wanted that game. ESPN got it. And they also, later in the year, uh, got the, the well, they've, they've had the wild card. Next year, they will have a divisional round as well um, that will be uh, exclusive for them. And Peacock's getting that too, by the way, divisional round. They, they love Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Even though Aikman is critical of the officials, is critical of a, a NFL decisions, it is that group that they focus on and why ESPN invested what they did in that broadcast because they're now getting they're getting the best options instead of the worst, which is what they had on the, yeah, the Monday Night Football schedule. Yeah, that's why they've really, it's been a reclamation with project, Romo, but it's gone way up in the last three with years. With Romo too, I, because the NFL has such authority over these games and distribution, I wouldn't be shocked if the NFL also said something about Romo tipping these plays. Yeah, Again, I, just just because of fan feedback. A lot of fans didn't like it. And I don't know why you would change it if 
it was being heralded as something different, new, and, and popular. It's kind of like McAfee on on game day. I think he's going to be better with Chiefs Bills because he's so familiar with those teams, and especially Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's the next game he has, so I think that will be a little bit better. His lack of knowledge of the Pittsburgh Steelers was was very odd to me. Yeah, and and strikes of a guy that that's way overpaid, uh, considering what they're getting output from him right now. Troy Aikman's a good example of perfect marriage of superstar former player with just really damn good at their job. He's just consistent. Yes, and he's a Hall of Famer. Like there is something to that, right? He, Chris Collinsworth is great. Chris Collinsworth was a good NFL wide receiver. Yeah. Troy Aikman's Troy Aikman, and he works hard, clearly, and he's very good at his job. Next up, Tom Brady. I'm very interested to see how he does in this role because we know if he commits to it and he watches game film and he studies up, he will, he will know everything that's going on, and he's got the personality and the communication ability to be great at that job. I think what Peyton and Eli do, it's perfect for Peyton and Eli. I, having watched this now, I watched almost the whole game last night, and they've got Bruce Arians on, who's hilarious, yeah. for the entire second quarter with those guys who knows both really well. Coach Peyton at one point. I love watching that, and they're in their bag when they're doing that show. That's what they need to be doing. They've got a spin of comedy to everything they do anyways. That's their personality. Having seen that, I don't want to see Peyton Manning on an A broadcast team for a network now. I don't want to see him in a traditional broadcasting role. Maybe see Peyton on a studio show somewhere would be good. I don't want to see that part of Peyton Manning. He is exactly where he needs to be with that Manning cast. Is Tom Brady going to be exactly where he needs to be? We thought Tony Romo was exactly where he needs to be. Does he need to be on a studio show somewhere and not calling games? These are all things to work out eventually. No, but so he's got to get better. Romo doesn't need me to studio show because that's more or less what he's doing now. He's he's telling us he didn't know Jalen Warren was this yeah, good. Yeah, he's not up on the NFL. You're right. Why he he doesn't uh, like Romo to me doesn't have to watch a lot of film because he can watch just it live action and tell you what's being set up. I, I want to see more of that and what made him great. Um, it'd be less of Nance though. Again, I think that's that's also part of both of these guys. I think Romo's like the kid playing the game. And Nance is the pro, you know, he's also the consistent pro. Well, he's a star. And, right. But, but a lot like Aikman where you're going to, he gets up to the plate and gets a hit. May not be a trip or a home run every time, but you guarantee it is consistently good. And, yeah, and, and that's what you want. It, it feels a little bit like a two alpha situation and one's not going to give up to the other, right? With, with Nance and Romo at times. That's why I think going back to Burkhart and Olsen, I think they work really well. Kevin Burkhart's very good. Yes. Been around for a long time and done it. I don't sense any ego with Kevin Burkhart, right? Jim Nance is terrific and a very nice guy. I'm yes. not saying anything bad about Jim Nance. You're right. Jim Nance has also done this long enough that he knows exactly how he wants it done to where I'm sure he's very particular about his broadcasts and who he works with in those broadcasts, and he's earned the right to do that. When I listen to Burkhart and Olsen, I hear two guys, while very accomplished, and very good at their job that are hungry and eager to do a good job and hungry and eager to feed off the other one. They're both the cis men. They're great at dishing the ball to the other one. I, I like that in a broadcast. Well, be I think with they're Brady. really good at that. It'll be Burkhart with Brady. And I think that that's the perfect fit for Brady is a guy who's going to be a good point guard yep. in Kevin Burkhart. It's just different with every crew. And, and, and what you get and the personalities with each one. Well, Nance wouldn't have moved on from Phil Sims for Tony Romo unless Nance wanted to. And I've, I've 
I've said this a few times, uh, maybe not on this show, but Chad, you know this. I was there whenever they were rehearsing. Uh, it was a Titans-Bears preseason game, and it was Nance and Romo rehearsing in the booth next to ours uh, the day before while we're going through the setup. It was the first preseason game, and it was CBS's national broadcast. So it was going to be the debut of Romo, and yeah, they they called a game off a monitor the day before, and I... Watching Romo, he was enthusiastic. He wasn't jumping up and down. Didn't jump up and he down. He was enthusiastic, any, though. Any Titans interceptions or he anything? He was that dude. He was that dude. Um, and I, I think that the fan can relate to that version of him, right? He does. I don't know if he wanted the Bills to win. I think he reacts to big plays, special moments, craziness, like a fan would for either team. Yeah, and I'm fine getting back to that, right? You didn't. I think where Romo was in year one is where he needed to stay. And I think some negative year response one, year to year one mixed with a lot of positive response sort of shifted the way he was going. Gus Johnson is a good example. Gus Johnson's always excited, but Gus Johnson has kind of morphed into almost yeah. satire of the excited uh, announcer, right, during the game where he's going nuts You're right. on everything, even if it's not worthy of going nuts over. That's who he is. I'm not asking Gus Johnson to change who he is, but if you're going to get any type of critique of Gus Johnson, it's that why is he treating this second down pickup like they just won the Super Bowl on a Hail Mary in the second quarter? That's who Gus Johnson is. You didn't want Romo to get too far out of that sweet spot in year one. I just wanted him to stay there, and he didn't. He's gotten worse. So uh, we will not see, or yes, we will see. We will see Tony Romo on the call for the Chiefs. Yeah. But looking at looking ahead And to I the think you'll be much better Chiefs because Bills. it's Chiefs Bills and he's got familiarity it's, with that game and those two teams. Night, uh, it's a nightcap on Sunday to wrap up the divisional round uh weekend which is traditionally the best weekend of football that the NFL has to offer matchup wise. Starts on Saturday uh ESPN ABC with the Texans taking on Baltimore, uh the number 1 seed. That should be great. Followed by San Francisco hosting Green Bay on Fox. Saturday night. And then Sunday, Tampa, after their big win over Philadelphia, they hit the road to take on Detroit. And Sunday night, Chiefs, Bills, this time in Orchard Park, not through Arrowhead. Can't help but think this is um, setting up to be more Ravens playoff disappointment in this game against the Texans. This reminds me. Texans coming in red hot with their performance against the Browns. The Texans this year are the 2019 Titans. Yep. They're a year ahead. And they are winning a game that they weren't predicted to, to win. The, the Titans did it in New England. Yep. This, in this case, they had the 11, 11 win Cleveland Browns that hadn't been to the postseason and won a game in a long time. Everyone's pulling for Browns Lions if you don't have a team that's in the postseason. And we see CJ Stroud on, on, on the radar and crushing it. Now they go to Baltimore, the number one seed. The Titans did the same thing, won that game. Lamar turned the football over. I think he threw an interception. They fumbled the football as well in their run game. Titans got up quickly, got up early. Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass or a two-point conversion, one of the yeah. two, one of the other on a trick play. Yeah, they hit a bomb over the top. I mean, they they beat Baltimore by starting fast. I think Houston can do the same thing. And then then they went to Arrowhead and lost. The Titans did. This time it would be potentially Buffalo, but it would also be Arrowhead. So it's the same path that the Titans took, the Titans lost in the AFC Championship game. I can see the Houston Texans getting there. And, and they're, they're that talented. They're playing the right way. And C.J. Stroud, 
looking at that graphic again that they put up during the broadcast of his big game numbers, college football playoff. He didn't last year. He didn't play well against Michigan, lost the Heisman Trophy, but went to the college football playoff and put on a show against Georgia. That was a great, great game. And we see him on the on center stage, his first playoff game. No worries against the NFL's top defense. And he was throwing perfect passes, floating perfect touch on passes, not just you know dimes, not you know ropes down the seam, but just touch passes that yep. left 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 only the receiver or tight end available to catch. It's perfect. My preseason Super Bowl pick still in play, Bills Niners. I'm feeling more and more like it's going to be the Bills hosting the Texans for the AFC Championship. And the Lions going to San Francisco, I think, to to, to end the, the NFC season. So we'll see if that ends up happening. Um, big moment for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Big moment upcoming for them, especially getting the extra rest. Coming up, we will uh, discuss the coaching movement across the NFL. Bill Belichick with the Falcons. He's talking with them. Harbaugh met with the Chargers. What's Dallas going to be up to? Where's Mike Vrabel in all of this? And uh, there's a coordinator that is paired with another coach currently. That's all straight ahead. Hot Mike with Hunt with the rolls on across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow. Rolls on here at Outkick.com and the watch page. We encourage you, if you're watching, um, spread the word. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can go. You just go to the site, click on the watch page, and we're live each day. Uh, all live content right there, plus full shows available. Just scroll over, hit Hot Mike, and <clears throat> there we are. Good spot to go watch live. Um, if you are a YouTube subscriber to OutKick content also, yeah. we will have a 40 to 45-minute version of the show every day posted to the YouTube page. Arthur Blank wants to win. There's no doubt. If you want to win now and you're set up with, you have uh, plenty of talent offensively, young talent, rookie contracts, and you have a plan at quarterback that's better than whatever the plan was and how it was treated in New England. Bill Belichick may very well be that answer. Josh McDaniels is with him. I would pair that too. He's meeting and has met with the Atlanta Falcons for the head coaching job. I wonder what Jerry Jones is thinking as he sees this. Who knows what we, we may see from Jeffrey Lurie in Philadelphia. But the franchises that feel they're right there on the doorstep. One, two, three-year plan. This is Bill Belichick's opportunity. You're hearing, of course, Harbaugh, who has met with the Chargers. That's been a foregone conclusion. But other than Dallas, I'm not hearing very much from the Belichick side of things on what links up. Atlanta's been reported now for over a week, and in fact, it, it ha <clears throat> excuse me, it happened. What's next for Belichick with the Chargers? Uh, Seattle? 
solid management where the general managers are there. What ends up happening in Atlanta if they don't go Belichick? They're not going to go Vrabel, it doesn't sound like. I think Vrabel could very well be tied to Arthur Smith. And if not, he's certainly not going to be tied to Arthur Smith at, at, in Atlanta. And I think Vrabel wants more power than uh, just being the head coach. He's got, And if he's not just power, Chad, it's got to be something that's in lockstep with his, his vision, his plan, how he wants to go about things. You can find that with the solid management core that's in Seattle, for sure. You can find that with a meeting with Jerry Jones, for sure, because he's their GM. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't know if that version of a, a, a straightforward, uh, free-thinking, here's, here's the way we're doing it. I take, I take opinion, I take ideas, but I'm going to uh, repeat it back to you in my own language. That's Mike Vrabel. And we're going to do things a certain way. We're steadfast in that. Belichick's the same way. But Belichick, offensively, with Josh McDaniel, legit for that 10-year run. You just got to have, have, you have to pair it with the right quarterback in Atlanta. And who would that be? Could it be Justin Fields? There's, there's some discussion there about, and I'll throw out Kirk Cousins again. Kirk if he Cousins. doesn't resign with, with Minnesota, which it likely is not going to happen. Yep. By the way, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, just said, don't be surprised if Russell Wilson is intrigued by Minnesota as a possible spot. If everything dissolves there with, with Denver, um, a- another one with, with Kirk Cousins possibly on his way up. I'm having a hard time, Hutton, with, with Bill Belichick from this standpoint. Atlanta, I understand the fascination on Atlanta's side with Belichick. I think Atlanta's got a, a decent roster outside of quarterback. They don't have the quarterback on that roster right now. Uh, what is that quarterback going to – who are they going to turn to to give them that opportunity? I also – I look at Belichick and I think – Shock factor. Just the way he operates, the way he does things, which is different than a lot of the league. So is it best for him to go to a place that needs a complete overhaul and revamp in the way they approach football business and the way they approach locker room culture, work, everything else, and give that maybe one to one and a half years of shock value to settle in? and give him a three- to five-year run where you can pay the dividends after that, paired with a good young quarterback somewhere or a a draft pick at quarterback? Or do you hand-build Belichick the keys to a roster and a setup that is good right now? I think about the Chargers. Is it best to hand that to Bill Belichick and say, okay, Bill, you're the guy. You're going to go past Don Shula's record with us. Lead the way. You are the Jedi here. Show us the way to a Super Bowl ring? Or do you hand over the keys to an organization that needs to be completely rebuilt from the ground up to Bill Belichick? I'm having a hard time knowing what's right for Bill Belichick in his early 70s for his next job. And Atlanta's the one that all reports are. They've already talked to him. They have. That's the leader in the clubhouse. But I look at Atlanta and say, okay, who's your quarterback? How is Bill Belichick going to succeed in Atlanta where Arthur Smith, offensive-minded head coach, couldn't succeed because of quarterback in Atlanta? And for whatever reason, they never went big on the quarterback possibilities. Now, the year that everyone thought that they would draft one before Ritter, it was the Kenny Pickett draft. He was the only first-rounder and they've earlier in that draft. And you, you had Arthur Smith, who was – tied to several, yes, last year, this past draft with uh, Levis and others. 
and where they were selecting. They went, what, tight end, wide receiver, and running back with their top picks. They twice had the number four overall pick. They also had the eighth pick with Pitts. So they've decided to go the specialist route. They... Instead they couldn't of, find a quarterback they loved. Quarter, now, they also went through salary cap hell because of Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, and other issues where they had no room to budge. They're getting out of that now, and they can maneuver some. So what do they do? They, Belichick's got to have that plan, and who would he be tied with? That's the other key here, potential free agent what they think about these quarterbacks and where they're drafting because Atlanta's not drafting as high as they've used to, you, no. we've used to see them draft. Or is it a potential trade? Mentioning Fields again. They've got to have that plan that's got to start with Arthur Blank because they, for whatever reason, decided not to go top quarterback in the draft, instead went with Ritter and stuck with him way too long before turning to Taylor Heineke not once but twice in the regular season prior to Smith being fired at 12.01 a.m. Yeah, so shock factor. Bill Belichick, wherever he goes, I think there's going to be some shock value for that roster, that football operations, everything, when Bill Belichick is now suddenly the head coach and the man in charge. I'd say the same about Jim Harbaugh. He's got a personality that's going to be different for wherever he takes over. Is that what the Chargers want, where Jim Harbaugh's meeting with the Chargers? Do they want that shock factor with their next coach, with the quarterback in place already? In Justin Herbert? I, I don't know. I think that's probably what that roster needs. Hunt, you brought up, you know, it's a defense. They've got Khalil Mack, and they can't do anything defensively with a defensive-minded head coach. So just like with any of these jobs, you look around and you say, okay, offensive-minded guy, who's your defensive coordinator? First question for Mike Vrabel or Bill Belichick, defensive guys, who are you pairing with as your offensive coordinator? And then what's the quarterback situation? Those are going to be the first questions for any owner I'm just trying to play matchmaker here about who fits best where. And I, I still keep coming back to, I feel like Belichick should be in Washington because it seems like a new beginning, a new start, kind of a ground-up approach with Josh Harris as the new owner, and that feels like a good spot for Bill Belichick to close out his career. They wanted to get their GM situated first. And, and they've done that. Yes, and so now the – the process continues. They still have the advisory role uh, that Harris has put together, which I really, I think that's clear that he's he's coming in, he's wanting to win, and he's taking advice on things he may not know and connections he may may or may not have, but not just going by his own opinion, listening to others that have been there and done that through the hiring process, and not just from the NFL ranks. You know, bringing in an MLB executive, for instance, I, I think it's it's a sign that they're headed in a great direction. Um, I like that. I also. I wonder what Jerry Jones is thinking with McCarthy. I mean, based on it's same same reason you would think of Pittsburgh or Philly and what they're thinking about the pool of candidates right now, because those organizations don't just want, I mean, they, they have stability. They want stability. Uh, everyone's pursuing that, but they also have this way of doing things that works. You know, Dallas for all of their failures in the postseason, 12 wins in three consecutive years is something that's difficult to pull off. Yeah, so it's not all bad in Dallas it's not. with Mike McCarthy. It's, it's not, but have you reached the ceiling there, and is there someone that can take you a notch further? They have yeah, not I've, been to the divisional, have not been to the championship look, I, game of the AFC, or uh, excuse me, the championship game of the NFC or the Super Bowl uh, in these three straight years. They're the only team to ever do that, having won 12 games three consecutive seasons and have that type of success in the regular season. Well, look, I know the name of the show is Hot Mike, but I'm not going to come in here and fake uh, a hot take or an opinion on this. 
I'm legitimately asking the question of, I, I don't know what's best for Bill Belichick. Is it a kick in the ass somewhere and they just well, need one step up to go win a Super Bowl because the roster is good? Or is the best landing spot for Bill Belichick a, you get there and blow it up and recreate this organization in your own image and build from the ground up to where you need to go. I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time well, matchmaking and picking exactly what is perfect for Belichick. I, Vrabel's kind of the same way, right? I mean, I could see Vrabel being a guy that goes somewhere and immediately elevates a good roster to being a great NFL team. I also see Mike Vrabel as a good guy to go to a spot, Carolina as an example, that needs to be reset and built from the ground up. The, Harbaugh could fall in the same category also. These big personality coaches with a track record, I'm having a hard time knowing where they should go based on their personalities. See, I think Atlanta's a good example. I think Dallas would be too um, of organizations that are needing some – they need to trim the fat on their salary cap, right? You could come in and adjust. Belichick, and, and as we say we don't know what's a good fit. I think the fit for him is where – He's coming in to win immediately, the franchise where they're set up to win, but you're going to make some adjustments in order to bring some of your own talent in that you have in mind to pair with what you're, you're, you're inheriting. Um, in, in the case of Vrabel, I don't think Vrabel wants to wait a year or two. I think he wants to be in an organization that is in lockstep with his way of thinking and off they run, and they're, they're contending uh, not just for their division, they're in it from the wild card on in the postseason. I mean, we saw that, we witnessed that in real time here. We just got done discussing the 2019 Titans and 2020 Titans uh, that missed their window. But that window was open and starting to open prior, just prior to Vrabel getting here in Nashville. That's, that's the next step for him. And where is that organization? I, it's certainly to me, with the two openings that we could see, maybe three, Dallas, Philly, Pittsburgh. And I agree. I, look, I, I think that, says he's I know that's what Vrabel wants. But that, that's what he needs. I think that's the. But there's that's also what that but every would need. every job we're talking about. There's a reason they have a coaching vacancy, right? And it may just not be because ownership and the GM are in lockstep with each other on what they want to be as a football team. There could be personnel issues. There could be attitude issues. There could be uh, a whole sort of chemistry problems within a good roster. I'm looking at you, Philly. I don't know. There's a reason, though, that we could have openings. The Cowboys, three straight years of 12-plus right. wins, not getting over the hump in the playoffs. So what is that perfect spot? Well, the perfect spot for any of these guys, to me, is Dallas. You've got the quarterback. It's, it's the Chargers. You've got the quarterback. Um, the question I would have is, what do you have after that? What, do you, what, what power do you have to tweak the roster to your liking and your way and your mindset and your, your structure. The two we're actually discussing are very much uh, in a, a similar form with Belichick and Vrabel in that regard. You know, defensive backgrounds um, paired with a, a, an offensive coordinator that would work. And you've got the quarterback that is good, not great, but defensively, you've got great defensive options. You've got that in Dallas. McCarthy has that in Dallas but have they reached their ceiling? And which coach is going to get you over the hump there and is more long-term if you do? To me, it's Vrabel. But it, see, Harbaugh's different. Harbaugh right now is being linked, not just to the Chargers, but apparently the Raiders are also tagged with him. To me, that's not going to fit with the way that that locker room is 
solely focused on Antonio Pierce being that guy. They want Antonio Be- Pierce to be their head coach after, as an interim, he goes five and four to finish the season. And we saw the way the locker room responded to it from the first victory that they had. You know, cigars and everything at the party in the, in the, the locker room after the game. They love the guy. And he embraced the Raiders' culture. Jim Harbaugh, while he may look great in the silver and black, I don't think he, that locker room is not going to respond to him the same way. That's not going to be the same structure that they want. And the, the team, in essence, down the stretch of the season, they ran themselves. If you really, the players were running it. Um, Max Crosby's that he's the leader of that group. He's preaching that Antonio Pierce needs to be the head coach, who the Titans also met with. And so t- I, I think that the fit in Dallas, the fit in Philly, Pittsburgh, I don't know much of Atlanta, it needs to be reformed a bit, but it's a, a overachieving defense this year. They were very good, especially down the second half of the season, where I think they went 21 to 25 straight quarters without allowing a touchdown. And offensively, they have the quarterback problem. But where are they in the investment of the offseason? Is it trade? Is it free agency? Is it trade up and get the the pick in the draft? And who's your guy? But after that, you've got talent offensively, Chad. I mean, that that group on offense should, should have been 10 times better if they distribute the football to their playmakers. It's not hard to get the ball in B. John Robinson's hands or Drake London or Kyle Pitts. And for whatever reason, even with a below-average quarterback, they could not do that. They could, they could turn around and hand it off to their running back. Colin Coward is saying Cliff Kingsbury as Antonio Pierce's offensive coordinator as a possibility. I hate that. I don't think that's going to work at all. I think Cliff Kingsbury needs to be back in college coaching and not in the NFL. Um, the Raiders should not go away from Antonio Pierce. Based on all reports and everything being said, they, they got some success out of that roster finally, which they had none with Josh McDaniels. And they were able to do some things with Pierce. They need to go ahead and name him the full-time coach. That needs to be the guy in, in Vegas. I, I don't know that anyone else is working there. But that would be with Kingsbury. I don't like that. I don't like that part of it. Give me Antonio Pierce. Give me someone else other than Cliff Kingsbury. See, the Raiders have a great cap situation. They if you start if you start, but then they still have you know the Garoppolo thing and everything else. Uh, Aiden O'Connell's not that guy. Again, they they've got thirty five million right now in cap space, and they're top twelve. It looks like below though, you've got the Falcons who still have some room, but they need to to open some things up, and then the Cowboys, uh, the. Eagles, it's, it, the teams that are ready to win don't have much room. You're inheriting what you have. So are you going with Dak? Are you potentially going with Herbert? You, you know you're going to be better on defense, even though the defense is allowing one more point per game than what Herbert's able to produce. In a low-scoring season, the Chargers are, are, are losing tight games. Coaching decisions play a huge factor in that, but also... The defense is giving up game-winning drives time and time again. Could Belichick, could Vrabel, could Harbaugh bring in the right fit to do all that? File close. File this one under, I don't know how to respond to this. Ohio State has hired Ross Bjork as their next athletic director from Texas A&M. And I'm seeing a lot of reaction from A&M fans that aren't upset about this. And I honestly don't know one way or the other how to feel about that on both sides. Uh, if you're Ohio State or if you're a and I, I really don't have much of a strong opinion about Ross Bjork given the, the, uh, 
the Jimbo Fisher part of this with him, right? Yeah. It, so I, are they unhappy? We need to text Lucci about this because are they unhappy based on the way their coaching search went after Jimbo Fisher? It's, because they, it's not like they... He hires Mike Elko, then bolts. Yeah. So but I'm saying the, the fact that they, they bring in Elko, is that the reason why they're unhappy with him? You see what I'm saying? I, Instead of going after the caliber, I think of it's splash. just looming. I think it's the the lingering. It was Bjork that hired Jimbo Fisher, right? Or was that someone else? Did they fire the previous AD? I feel like he's the one who hired Jimbo Fisher. Let me let me double check. But I think part of the issue is the Jimbo Fisher bad taste in the mouth of A and M fans, and not it's. I don't think it has anything to do with the hire of Elko, who universally I think A and M fans were good with that one. Yeah. So he got to A and M in 2019. How could see? I think I, maybe he inherited Jimbo Fisher. Let me see when Jimbo Fisher so was hired. A and M fans are not they're not unhappy that he's been hired away, but Ohio State wanted him. See that doesn't pair to me with what A and M perception would be. If you have if you have Ohio State who's had a killer off season. Coming after your AD. Bjork inherited Jimbo Fisher, by okay. the way. Did not hire but him. Came in a year later. Isn't that, isn't that indicative of you've got a guy that's going in the right direction? That's heralded as someone that is valuable? It's like firing Mike Vrabel instead of trading him. Mindset. Yeah, I, I, I think anytime you are a program that can go and get any guy or girl from another big money program in a power conference, it's seen as a win. So Ohio State, they're going to they're gonna taunt this as a victory lap because they went and hired away A&M's AD who was not in trouble at A&M. But they, so that does look like a big win for Ohio State. But not much of a fight State. was put up for him. Right? I don't know. I, I, that's or, what, or maybe they, they paid the buyout for Fisher so they couldn't do anything to try to I mean, keep York. We, got it. We, need to, we need to get with Billy Lucci on this and find out what, what A&M fans think about it. What do you think Elko's thinking? We'll ask Tyler during the break what Ohio State fans think about it. The guy that brings you in. The guy that brings you in is gone within a month and a half. Ross Bjork also inherits Ryan Day on a hot seat. Well, because I believe Ryan Day is going to be on the hot seat oh. leading up to that game on Thanksgiving weekend against Michigan this oh, year he's, he's, against a coach not named Jim Harbaugh. He is... He's absolutely on the hot seat. And they are gearing up with this roster and guys who have announced they're coming back that it is beat Michigan or bust for Ryan Day. And things don't always work out uh, in perfection. We could have had Ohio State-Michigan for the national title last year. Had Michigan beat Ohio State, hypothetically, for the national title last year, Ryan Day would not be the head coach right now of Ohio State. True. Coming up, more headlines. And then Dan Mullen joins us on Hot Mike. 